John 4 would look a little different if it took place in Mount Vernon in 2022. There are flyers everywhere on bank windows, restaurant counters, gas pumps, and every radio station from talk stations to rock stations will be talking about it. Jesus is coming to Mount Vernon. Now, we've had dignitaries here before, but they've never been able to do what this man can do. He turned water into wine at a wedding, and he healed quite a few people in Columbus when he was there. But he's coming to our hometown. Today, police cars have lined up all around the square. Mount Vernon's finest are arrayed in crisp, dark navy uniforms and boots so shiny you need shades to look down. Everyone is anxious to see this one who walks on the waves. There are lines of people, some in wheelchairs, all need a miracle. Maybe Jesus will heal them like he did for others in Columbus. And here he comes. The last time he was here for the wedding, he only had a following of about five men. But this time, crowds from all over have come out to see him, to see what he will do, to hear what he will say. He's standing in the city square, just about ready to teach. But in the distance, you can hear sirens. They're blaring so loudly, you can barely hear Jesus. The entire crowd shifts their attention from Jesus to the commotion. It's coming from a motorcade. As two highway patrol cars lead it and two follow it, all four of them driving lights and sirens. Whoever is in this motorcade must be important, and whatever they have to share must be important. Just at the edge of Main Street, a beautiful black suburban comes to a stop. Between the four cruisers and without giving his chauffeur any time, out jumps a tall, handsomely dressed businessman. He's wearing a suit that costs more than most people's mortgage. His wardrobe makes Jesus's look like washcloths. He is the lieutenant governor. He serves at the state capitol. And rather than saunter to Jesus with the swagger his position affords him, he comes running to Jesus. And without any regard for his $4,000 suit, he bends his knees on coarse concrete and opens his mouth. Jesus, please, please, it's my son. He's about to die. Please, would you please come and heal him, please? Well, the last time this man's ever said please to a pauper was during his campaign. He hasn't had to beg for anything from anyone except from the governor since he's been elected. But this story teaches a very valuable principle. It teaches that princes and paupers both need Jesus. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to From Cana to Capernaum on Simplify. Very soon, Jesus performed miracles for paupers too, but this man was as close to a prince as you could be in his day. But his corner office in Capernaum's high-rise could not heal his son of a fatal fever, and all the physicians could offer was an apology, a pat on the shoulder, and a hefty bill for their services, but they could give him no hope. This nobleman, this government official, knew he needed the help of God, so he found him standing on the sidewalks in Cana. If money could have bought his son's healing, this nobleman would have paid whatever price. But this was something only God could do. So he asked him. And Jesus' response was shocking. Jesus turned to the crowd who gathered and said, Unless you all see signs and wonders, you won't believe. All the church growth experts cringed. That's not how you make friends, Jesus. We're trying to build a church. Why don't you just smile and shake the man's hand? Don't ruin this. But Jesus wasn't looking to grow a megachurch. He was looking for followers who would follow him for who he is 
not just the wonders he works for them. This crowd was more interested in the miracles than the man. And when I read this story, I hang my own head. Wow, I'm guilty of this. I've gone to prayer many times and rattled off everyone I can think of who needs to be healed or forgiven or delivered or saved or who needs money, who needs some kind of miracle, and never even said, I love you. We all need to learn from this miracle in John 4. We go to God primarily to spend time with Him, to develop our relationship with Him, to know Him, the one who created us, who saved us, redeemed us, wants a relationship with us. And thank God for the miracles and the answered prayers. Those all come as we get closer to God, but let's make sure we spend time with Him just because He wants to spend time with us. After all, the eyebrows returned to their locks in upright position. This kneeling dad was still kneeling. Somehow, Jesus' rebuke did not flatten his faith. He pressed Jesus harder, as if he didn't hear the rebuke. He just asked again, Please, Jesus, please, my son is dying. Come down to Capernaum. I know you can heal him. Please, we got to hurry, though. Let's go. Capernaum's 20 miles away. My driver can drive. He'll get you there before sunset. Come with me. Come, please, before it's too late. And Jesus smiled. He saw something in this desperate dad's persistent plea. So Jesus worked a miracle within a miracle. This man knew Jesus could heal his son if he could just get Jesus 20 miles away to his son. But Jesus simply said, go, your son will live. And in one fell swoop, Jesus showed that he has power over disease and even over distance. He did not have to be at the boy's bedside to heal him. And here's the part of the story I can't believe. The dad believed. The dad believed Jesus' word and went his way. That's it. Without so much as a single, now if this doesn't work, where can I find you? Or can you give me your business card so I can can get a hold of you in case I need to get a hold of you? Or how do I know you're telling me the truth? He just took Jesus at his word. Smart man. Little did he know his servants had mounted their own noble steeds and were riding out to meet him with news. Somewhere between Cana and Capernaum, they met in the street. It must have been fun for God to see this scene play out from above. As the father sets out from Cana, the servants set out 20 miles away from Capernaum. From both sides of the map, they're kicking up dust, galloping as fast as their noble steeds can gallop. Somewhere, God only knows where, they met in the middle. And sure enough, as the nobleman, the distinguished businessman, the polished politician, the dad of a sick son, gets close to home, he recognizes the seal on the mane of the horses galloping toward him, and he sees his servants riding out to meet him. They can't wait to share the news. They get down from the horses, and they said, Sir, sir, great news. Your son's alive. It's a miracle. The father sighed, smiled, stood there on the hot sand, and nodded his head. Jesus really did it. Jesus really did it, just like he said. Then he asked his servants who were there with his son, Can you tell me what time? What time did he start getting better? He knew Jesus picked him up and gently laid him a safe distance from death's door, but he wondered just how well he really was. What time did he start feeling better? And they looked at each other and smiled themselves and looked back at the dad and said, Yesterday afternoon, sometime around 1 p.m., the fever left him. Sir, 
It was a miracle. The fever didn't just weaken or go down a degree. The fever left. And the father smiled once more. It was exactly the same time Jesus said, go your way, your son will live. Only a few people knew about the miracle. Much like Jesus' first where he turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Only the dad and those with him watching their sundials knew that Jesus' word alone healed this nobleman's son at 1 p.m. exactly when Jesus spoke the word all the way from Cana, 20 miles away to Capernaum. But soon, everybody would know. This dad could not keep it a secret. I can't blame him. I couldn't either. John 4, verse 53 reads, He himself believed and his whole household. What he saw and what he knew was enough to believe Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth was really Jesus the Christ. And today, he still has power over disease and over distance. Here's what I'd like to do to pray. I would like to pray if there's anybody you need prayer for, maybe healing, maybe they need a miracle of some sort, but you know God is able to do it. And you know if you were there by their bedside or you were there staring at them in their living room, God could and would do it, but you're not there, can't get there. But I want to pray today that from where you are to where they are, God would hear your prayer and work a miracle for them, just like he worked from Cana to Capernaum to show us that he has power over disease and even over distance. Lord Jesus, today I pray for those who need a miracle. God, for those who I cannot be at the hospital bedside or cannot be in their living room praying for them, cannot be where they are, but you are. I ask you to send your word and heal them like you did for this nobleman. I pray, God, send your word from here to there and work a miracle in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who need what only you can do, who need healing, who need forgiveness, who need deliverance, who need to come back to you, God. I ask you to send your word, send it today in the name of Jesus. Your word, which never returns void, always accomplishes what it was sent to do. I pray work these miracles today. I give you thanks for it. In the precious name of Jesus, raise our faith to believe you're not only able, but also willing to do for us what you did for this nobleman. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. All our faith is in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. I pray this episode has bolstered and built up your faith. Please be sure to click subscribe and share. You'll never miss an episode. Your friends won't have to miss an episode. And I've got a couple resources I'd love for you to check out. It's a book called Simplify, how appropriate, and it launched this podcast. It's a devotional, and then also a book called Ten Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, a book on the Ten Commandments I wrote to help you understand what they meant for them, what they mean for us, and how we can live them out in our life. You can get all of that, PentecostalPublishing.com or Amazon, and you can even listen to Ten Words on Audible. Hey, shout out to our friends to the east, our neighbors. Pennsylvania has the most downloads in the month of July. And of course, today is the last day of July. So bring it home, Pennsylvania. Ohio is just behind them by about 23 downloads. But let's see who's going to win this battle between Pennsylvania and my home state of Ohio. And then our neighbors to the north, the great country of Canada, New Brunswick has a slight lead over Ontario, but Ontario is closing the gap. You've got today to do it. So go ahead and share this with others and tell them, listen today, we can win this thing. And then 
as I mentioned to you before, around the world, Germany, our friends in Deutschland, have taken over Estonia, and they lead by five downloads. So you find folks in Germany, I don't even know what time it is there, but if it's still July 31st, you have a chance to take this one home in Estonia. You can pass them up, but you got to try hard. I hope you've enjoyed this little downloads battle. I'll let you know in the next episode who won in the month of July. Next week, we go into August, and I want to share with you an episode called A True Fish Story. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.